welcome the uh, freshman congressman, 12th District uh, U.S. Congressman, Republican Fred Keller from Kramer, PA, on the line. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Oh, glad to glad to be able to call in this morning. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Ben. Good morning to all the great listeners. We do appreciate it. You've been conducting a listening tour as the nation talks about police reform. Uh, to whom are you listening, and what are you hearing? Well, we, we actually we've been to, to several communities uh, in PA-12, and uh, you know uh, people that uh, do law enforcement, community leaders, you know members of the community. Uh, actually, some people in Mansfield University uh, that, uh, that do instruction and and have programs that uh, would help train our police officers. Uh, so uh, the big thing we've been hearing is uh, that in Sunbury, and I'll, I'll talk about Sunbury because because you know the chief Hare is a, a great guy and. Uh, all the people that we talked to have been outstanding, but you know, uh, Sunbury's right there, uh, close to your studio, and uh, you know, the chief really uh, doesn't want a one-size-fits-all because what works in a in a force with, uh, and, and everybody has said has all said this, that what works in a, in a in a police force that might have Sunbury has nine nine individuals may not work in in Philadelphia where they might have hundreds or thousands of of officers. So uh, the thing I think we need to remember is that the people that put on that uniform every day, by and large, uh, do it right and are outstanding individuals. And no matter what we do, we need to make sure that they have the proper training, that there's transparency and accountability. And, th- and that's really what the people, and, and people that, uh, you know, officers that behave poorly like the ones did in Minneapolis, the, the people that that are most against that are the other police officers that do it right every day. And so what they've been saying is, hey, look, we need to look at accreditation, we need to look at training, we need to be able to look at these things. But don't from Washington, D.C., put in things that that might work in one place but not in another place. They certainly don't want policing from Washington, D.C. So down at the street level in Point Township or Northumberland or in Sunbury, what might be an element of either training or accountability that would work and and could potentially help? Again, you're looking at uh, community, uh, you know, policing, which this the, the uh, uh, Senator Scott's bill actually had that, and Stauber's bill actually had that, where it involved the community in the policing and did things from the ground up rather than than, than the top down. You, you have the you have the you have the tenants that you need to have that assure that, that everybody's doing it properly and everybody's rights are protected, but how you implement that in a force of, of 9 or 10 or 20 versus a force of hundreds or thousands might look different, and we, we shouldn't be telling them how to implement that in their police force, just that we make sure they have the proper training and tools to do their job. And, you know, the Democrats' bill uh, yesterday actually prohibited certain police departments from getting the tools that might help protect their officers and the communities. I need to elaborate on the differences between the Republican and Democratic plans. The differences are the fact that one, the Republican plan, and I'm going to talk about the biggest difference, has been has been that uh, they actually incorporate the ideas from listening to people and having collaboration. Uh, the, the Democrats' plan, when you look at that, as I mentioned, uh, gets rid of uh, qualified immunity, which means if a police officer does everything right and by the book. Uh, somebody could still even come back on them and hold them personally liable for something and take them to court. Uh, there should be certain protections when police officers are doing things properly that people can't come after their, them personally or the assets of their family. 
so that's that's one big thing. And like I said, the other one is that the Democrats' bill would prohibit uh, the ability for police forces to, to, you know, some forces to maybe get the tools that they need for their officers. Another topic, protests continue around the U.S. Uh, many are centered on race, and the, the Black Lives Movement has emerged. Your reaction to this, and what in their message uh, can we learn from and uh, help grow the nation? Well, again, when we look at people who want to make sure their voice is heard, um, you know, I certainly welcome peace of, peaceable gatherings and, and, and people to, to uh, you know, address issues to the government. That, that's what, what our republic is about. Uh, but when you look at people that, that, that come and, and create violence and destroy property, uh, that, that's, a, that's a totally different, uh, a different dynamic. And those people, that, and again, that's not the majority, let's be fair, that's not the majority of the people that, that want to see things happen, improve the way we do things. But those, those just like the, the minority in law enforcement, those people need to be addressed too and held accountable. And that, that's, that's what we really need to do uh, in our nation to make sure, because by people coming and, and committing violent acts uh, when other people are trying to peaceably demonstrate really drowns out the good message that the peaceable uh, protesters want to get across to everybody. Of the key messages that protesters have, what is at the heart of that as it relates to uh, race or racial injustice? What are they 100% right about that we do need to address? Well, well, again, I, I would say, you know, as we look at the, the reforms here uh, that we uh, we're talking about in Congress, we need to make sure that, that uh, the people that might inflict harm, uh, you know, the, the, the small percentage of people that don't do it right in law enforcement, are able to, to, to be weeded out and held accountable before they create harm on someone. And, and a lot of times, Mark, I think what we need to start talking about is what unites us and, and, and why together we can, we can do things better rather than things that divide us. And, and you know that from me, Mark. I'm always one that wants to try and take a look at and say, hey, what do we all have in common and how can we make things better? And that really is the message of a lot of people. And uh, let, let, let's, not, let, let's not always be trying to be divisive. Let's take a look at, at what needs to be fixed. And there's things, as I've mentioned before, in, in our nation's history, uh, there are things that you know, we didn't get right. But we certainly got a heck of a lot more right than we did wrong. And, and what's really troubling uh, to me is when people uh, burn the flag, uh, and that, that to me is just disrespectful to all the veterans and, and those who have, have fought, men and women, that have fought to, to uphold uh, the values of liberty and equal justice and, and free continents. I mean, oh, you just go back to World War II and look at all the oppression that, that, that those people fought under our flag to make sure that people weren't treated poorly. And, uh, you know, we, we've certainly learned some things over the course of our nation, uh, and uh, we need to continue to, to, to work toward um, making sure that there, there aren't people that uh, are in positions that are going to inflict uh, undue justice on, on others. Fred, Fred, if we can talk about accountability, uh, your thoughts on mail-in voting. We see uh, sort of split down party lines, but uh, it, it seems like there's confusion in a lot of places where you, you states make their own voting uh, rights to, to a degree. It's it, it, the federal umbrella, but there seems to be very <laughs> confusion on what a absentee ballot is and what mail-in balloting is. Yeah, there's actually you're right. There's there's a patchwork of how things happen from from one state to the next, and um, you know we look at Pennsylvania. 
prior to the, the new laws that were passed last year. And again, I'm not saying one way or the other of those. I just make sure that there's accountability measures. Uh, you know, some places when, when they're mailing out applications for ballots, and, and this, is, this is people that have gotten them and it's been found to have happened, that the applications, one, one person might get two or three or four, and in some cases as much as six or seven applications for a ballot. Uh, now, can some of that happen erroneously? It certainly can, but to your point, Ben, we need to make sure that there's, there's proper safeguards in place. Some people just mailing out, just mailing out ballots uh, to people, which some people want to do. In fact, I think there's a law in, in the Pennsylvania General Assembly where they want to just mail out ballots. Well, the fact that, uh, you know, you have a lot of people that uh, move more than they did years ago, that, you know, college students in, in Pennsylvania are permitted to vote where they're going to college. So if you have a student that's in, in you know, either uh, Seals Grove or Lewisburg or Penn State in PA-12 or Lock Haven, you know, they, if they vote there for a couple of years and then they, they get a job in, in another part of the country and leave, uh, and their name isn't purged for, from, from the vote, voting rolls, uh, where's the ballot going to go? Uh, uh, I think there's a lot of considerations that, that need to happen, and we need to make sure that uh, we, uh, you know, we, we make sure that that's, there's, the, there's the accountability there. Exactly what that looks like, uh, you know, again, to your point, Ben, that's up to some of the states, but, you know, uh, some room there for, for improvement before we just start mailing out ballots to everyone. We got an email here from a uh, probably a liberal constituent of yours, Fred. Uh, the Fred Keller I know is someone who cares about his constituents. Fred, how can you continue to blindly support a president who doesn't take this pandemic seriously, who tells lies each and every day, and who seems to be on the edge of a breakdown. <laughs> a little oh, bit of a oh, loaded first question. Off, I, 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 again, <laughs> I can I, read I, that. I can Mark would have had too much fun with that. Points. Um, and if, if I do have a disagreement with the administration, uh, the administration will know that. But, you know, Ben, I, I don't know if you remember when I was in Harrisburg uh, and we did the budget, I think it was 2015, and I probably came out and said something I shouldn't about the current administration. That isn't helpful to my constituents. Uh, to air some things when I might have a disagreement with with the administration uh, in in public, uh, so you know I, there, there's things that you, you learn how to do properly. Uh, you know, as far as the president, uh, I think he did a lot of things. He took some pretty decisive and preventative action early on when people were calling him xenophobic and racist. When he said, "Hey, people from China and parts of Europe aren't going to be able to come to the United States," so I, I wish you know, in all fairness. I wish people could, could admit the president does things, you know, the people that don't agree with him on policy could admit that he does do some things right, too. Yeah, but I mean, that's a thing that goes both ways. Yeah, but Fred, when you were in the House, though, um, you made the governor's uh, support staff hide all their Crayola crayons after you made that comment, so it might not have been that bad. <laughs> I, I do remember the governor was on WKOK the following week and got asked a question about that from Joe. Uh, but but you, you get my point. Uh, uh, the president, uh, I think, gets a heck of a lot more right than he does wrong. And I apologize for the buzzer in the background. That's the beginning of our... Well, that's session. So, so, so you, you are you in the office in the Longworth building, I take it. Yes, actually, I'm, I'm getting ready. We've got uh, D.C. statehood on the, uh, on the agenda for today, and I have a motion to recommit uh, uh, for some amendments. Question, question uh, real quick on uh, the police side. <clears throat> what happened with Tim Scott's bill that the Democrats in the Senate, who are all for police reform, police reform, doesn't give Tim Scott's bill a chance to even get discussed 
and they can disagree with it later, but they didn't even have a chance to discuss it, put amendments in. I think it's a, a, you know it shows the hypocrisy and the uh, political football that the Democrats want to play with this police reform bill. What Tim Scott did was was just great. He put bill he put information out there. He wanted to have a discussion, and what the Democrats did again shows shows where they really stand. Well, well, let me let me tell you what happened there. You know, when that bill was brought up, and of course, everybody talks about Republicans controlling the Senate. They, they need 60 votes to bring stuff up for debate. But anyway, Tim Scott was even even saying, "Hey, look, you 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 come up with amendments to my bill if you want to make it better. I'll, I'll give you 20 amendments." And, and they didn't even do that. So so it's not like if you re- if they really want to get something done, and, and that's the story that maybe not everybody's getting getting told is that that, that, that Senator Scott said, "Hey." You, you you don't like my bill doesn't do what you want it to do put put it all accept amendments and they wouldn't even bring it up for that discussion meanwhile over here in the house yesterday they wouldn't we had a closed rule we weren't allowed to add amendments to speaker pelosi's bill yeah yeah the, the hypocrisy that people don't see it doesn't get reported and the foxes msnbc cnn's don't even really tell about it the mark can help us get that out there because <laughs> That's the truth of what's happening. I mean, and we're supposed to believe people. And I'm going to go here and say this because people say, oh, the Republicans just don't want to do anything. No, the Democrats are interested in messaging and not getting things done because they've been doing it for three and a half years. But this goes both and, and ways, Fred. We I mean, know, honestly. we know, and it's been exposed with Chairman Schiff and, and other things uh, over the time that they're about, they're about worrying about an election rather than worrying about good public policy. Fred, and, uh, real quick, I know we have to go, though. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, Confederacy, the, 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 the statues that they're talking about on the Confederate side of this. Uh, your thoughts on, on bringing those statues down, how to do it. Uh, mob rule doesn't seem to work because people can get hurt, uh, but uh, it seems like uh, there's mobs that are wanting to take down uh, some of the history in the past. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, you mentioned mobs, and, and by people supporting some of this mob uh, violence that's happening, they're putting mobs above jobs, quite frankly. Um, and, and looking at what, what, what we look at, and I'll, I'll tell you, my, my grandmother was a, a public school teacher in Northumberland and raised me for a few years. And, you know, she used to say something, you can't know where you're going unless you know from where you came. Um, so, again, we didn't get everything right. Uh, and uh, to, to erase history. And you look at some places that have, have tried to erase history and, and get rid of books and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, those, those who fail to remember history are condemned to relive it. So again, uh, I, I think that, that uh, while, while some things uh, are regrettable in the past, uh, to wipe them out, I think would be a huge mistake and disservice when we're trying to make sure that we unite everybody and don't have people in generations coming make the same mistakes. And, and isn't there a reason for understanding history post-Civil War when reconciliation and Robert Lee, uh, e. Lee played such a big part in bringing the nation back together and some concessions had to be made for the right, wrong, or indifferent? We weren't in those times, and to bring the Union back together, to bring the country back together, there were certain things over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years that were done. Uh, you know, it's hard for us to do that sitting here in 2020. We're not sitting here in 1875 or 1880. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and say this should have been done that way or this way. We need to look forward. 
Uh, and to look forward, I think understanding our past is an important part of that to make sure we don't revisit some of the same failures we had. One of our good listeners sends a note, says, question for the congressman, what kind of gun control measures are the Democrats trying to sneak in under the cover of unrelated bills? We need fewer gun restrictions, not more. Well, well again, uh, the Second Amendment is, is very clear, as is the First Amendment. People's right to peaceably protest and, you know, freedom of press and religion. Um, you, you know, we need to protect... Uh, all of our amendments, and the Second Amendment, quite frankly, uh, does that. It says the right to keep and bear arms. And that was designed so that the, the, the citizens uh, didn't have a tyrannical government. And so, so I support the Second Amendment um, fully. And I know at different state levels, uh, there's bills, there's bills in, in Harrisburg, you know, to, to tax ammunition more, to have registries, to do all kinds of stuff. Uh, in addition to the background checks and things we have. I think it's important to keep in mind that, uh, you know, if, if we're looking at, at people, and I know people are talking about things and that, that, that want to control our Second Amendment rights or eliminate them, and there's people that want to do that. Uh, you know, Beto O'Rourke actually said that. Uh, it, it, let, let's look at what the actions of people, not the instrument they use to commit those actions. Okay, so uh, but nothing's getting snuck into bills that you're aware of right at the moment. Oh, not, nothing that we're voting on right now. Now that's not to say, Mark, somebody might put an amendment on something, you know, tomorrow or okay. you know later today. But you know, we're voting, we're voting on DC statehood and a couple other things. So yeah, there, there's nothing, not not at the national level. Now there could be things happening in state capitals, uh, you know, right. across America, All right. that, that states are, you know, and you look at some cities that try and do some stuff, too. Do we uh, have uh, another minute here, or do you have to get going to go participate in this mm-hmm. conversation? In i Washington? got a minute or two. Okay. D.C. statehood, where do you stand on that? Well, uh, when, <laughs> when you look at the intent of what D.C. was and, and, and what our framers were looking at, you know, they didn't think that any any state should have an undue influence over the federal government. And to have the federal government contained wholly within a state um, is not what our, our founders uh, envisioned. There's, you know, I, actually, I'm doing the motion to recommit. Uh, I, I do not support that because our, our, our founders recognized the status of Washington, D.C., and that it shouldn't shouldn't have undue, that no state should have undue influence over the federal government. I think that this puts the... Uh, the District of Columbia above the, the other 50 states and, and uh, having having done that. And if people are concerned about, uh, uh, as they say, representation or taxation, their license plates say taxation without representation, they do have a member of Congress, uh, Eleanor Holmes uh, Norton. Uh, so I think it's uh, something that uh, does not need to happen. And if they intent on on doing something, give the land back to Maryland and Virginia. All right, one last question. Uh, the Health and Human Services under the Trump administration cutting back on some federal aid. Fox says it's about 13 sites that are being uh, closed down. Why is this an ideal time to reduce uh, testing for COVID-19 around the U.S.? Well, again, I, I think I saw Dr. Fauci on TV the other day saying that we're doing more testing than we had before. And I know new sites opened up in PA-12, and when we see the volume of testing happening, we see that we're doing more testing every day. So, uh, you know, it, it, might, it might be a matter of some of the companies like, like CVS and Walmart that have opened more sites and can maybe cover more ground effectively and get more testing done. So it might be just a better allocation of resources. 
Fred, uh, anything else? Uh, if you'd like to, you have the open mic, of course, as Mark always says. But I'd like to just throw out a quick question. Can you give us a, what's the atmosphere like right now in Washington? You're, you're only going to be there for what uh, today and then people are leaving. But, you know, in, in your closing comments, can you give us an idea of what the uh, atmosphere is, uh, particularly after this police reform bill in the House, the lack of uh, the bill in the, in the Senate with Tim Scott, but the overall atmosphere in D.C.? Well, again, we're, we're still not, D.C. still isn't still fully open, so there's, you know, as far as what we're seeing, uh, there's some work to be done uh, to, get to, to, to get to some of these issues. Um, there are people that want to work and, and, and accomplish things, but it's getting, getting quite frankly, stalled at the top level by, by the Speaker and the minority leader in the Senate. Uh, that, that, that's really where the issue lies. And I don't know that it's, you know, with a lot of the rank-and-file members. You know, it, it's, with the, it's with the fringe on the left that's really holding this up. And, and again, I'm going to go back to the Speaker and, and, and the minority leader. W- when Senator Scott says, I'll take amendments on my bill, and, and they don't even want to talk about it, okay? And so, so the, the atmosphere is Republicans are willing and, and, and want to work to get something done. And there's, there's the, 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 the minority leader in the Senate, the Speaker, that are doing the same thing they've done for the, uh, for the past couple of years, just saying, hey, I'm not, you know, it's got to be our way or the highway. And that's not the way, that's not the way to govern because, again, the senator uh, in his bill was willing to take amendments. said, I'll take amendments. You can you, you do it. And then the speaker in the House says, no, it's a closed rule and you can't have any amendments. What about the uh, Democrat leadership and their big loss uh, this week in Elliot Angle, a, what, 21-year congressman who lost to the AOC side of the Democratic uh, left wing? Well, again... Uh, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to tell what what they're thinking uh, on that. Uh, it seems like uh, you know the speaker is, is getting pulled, and 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 the leadership more and more to the left, trying to hold on to their power. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Congressman Keller. Really appreciate the opportunity. Call in again if you ha- if you do have a break back. Hey, in Mark. The yes, sir. You have called me Fred for 10 years or more, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Fred. <laughs> and Ben, that's, that's, I prefer that. I work, I work for the outstanding people of PA-12. Everybody can uh, – I, I work for, for the people, and uh, they, I, I prefer it when they call me Fred because I am exactly what our founders envisioned, a person that, that grows up in the community, uh, that works, raises their family there, and for a period of time – goes to represent them in government. Okay, so. can we refer to you as Fred from Kramer then? <laughs> you can call me Fred from PA-12. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you, Congressman Fred, very much. Okay, safe travels, Congressman. <laughs> Thanks.